Uh, so Simba, thank you for joining us on Boma Chats today. It's wonderful to have you in our Boma. Uh, we're super excited to learn more about what it is you're doing and to catch up. Um, just wondering if you might be able to tell us, since I last saw you at London Business School, since we last saw you at London Business School, what, what have you been up to? Uh, sure. Thanks, uh, Jeb and Michaela. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here on uh, Boma Series. Um, uh, since I was at London Business School, I was fortunate enough to join a financial institution called uh, CBZ Holdings. Uh, it's the largest uh, uh, bank in Zimbabwe. It's a holding company which has several uh, uh, different uh, businesses, uh, units, including the largest bank uh, in Zimbabwe, uh, also the largest ag financing unit in Zimbabwe, um, the second largest uh, 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 asset manager and CBZ asset management. And then we also have CBZ properties uh, and other various divisions, including CBZ capital, uh, which is sort of the proprietary investing arm of the of, of the entity. So I actually came in and joined uh, uh, CBZ capital as a managing partner. Uh, and uh, part of our job there was to look at both internal units and external units to see uh, you know, how they're performing. And we saw that we could enhance uh, the return profile to shareholders if we focused heavily on what then was our largest uh, uh, unit uh, uh, in terms of uh, lending, which is CBZ Agro Yield, uh, whereby we are we are offering credit to to the agriculture value chain. So I joined that, and uh, suffice to say, two years later, um, we have uh, probably enhanced the return profile fourfold in two years. Uh, which is very difficult to do in agriculture. It's extremely difficult. It's very complex. Um, but uh, we've achieved our targets. Uh, the nation, Zimbabwe, as you know, we were, uh, we were once the breadbasket of Africa and went through a very tough 20-year period. And suffice to say, in the last two years, number one, we've uh, managed to hit record numbers in wheat production, uh, wow. whereby we, you know, for the first time ever, we're actually able to produce more wheat than we consume. And wow. this, uh, this year, and that's largely to do with agro agro yield, which is the largest financing entity uh, in that sector. But we will finance several crops, and that's just one of the many uh, positives that have come out from uh, our interventions. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. thank you, thank you. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about like what what are you doing, and what is this uh, fund looking to do? CBZ Agro Yield. At CBZ Agro Yield, we are a, a provider of credit to the agriculture value chain as a whole. In its totality, um, and that's a lot in, in one word. Um, but we are providing credit to farmers. Uh, we're providing credit to um, to fertilizer companies, seed companies, uh, fuel companies, chemical companies that are all part of the agriculture value chain. Uh, we are looking at irrigation providers, um, uh, power, uh, the power industry, uh, logistics industry. All those form a critical part of the uh, agriculture value chain. But, uh, you know, it, it's broader than that. We're trying to solve a problem and solve a, a proverbial problem that we're all aware of. Africa has been a net importer of food uh, for as long as we can, we can we, we, as long as we know. In 2008, we're importing $15 billion worth of food into Africa. Uh, in 2022, that number is $55 billion. And by 2030, it's going to be $110 billion. Right. Wow. And we're large, largely financing that through um, through uh, uh, funds coming in from our export of natural resources, mainly you know metals and mining and oil and that sort of thing. And that equation is not sustainable in the long run. 
because of the obvious global disruptions we've seen in, in the food commodity supply chain in recent times. We're having uh, more frequency in these tail events, uh, whether it be the war in Ukraine, whether it be COVID, and all these other aspects that are disrupting our uh, supply chain. And what's interesting is that is increasing the cost of food. And so the food imp- price inflation for Africa is, is, is highest in the world. You know, food prices have gone up more than 40% in the last couple of years. And we wow. are least able to afford that as Africa. Now we have yeah. over 150 million people that are exposed to uh, a food crisis. So wow. that's what we're trying to solve for by localizing and fortifying um, uh, the local food supply uh, chains and food systems. Uh, that's so really like, what can I ask a question for. about yeah, the... The increasing net importing uh, that you just cited uh, from 2008 until now, and then that huge number for 2030, uh, is a lot of that because of uh, poor market structure or um, disorienting market structures? Like I've heard, I've heard anecdotes about how the U.S. uh, farmers have been really good at selling grain, subsidized grain paid for by the U.S. government. And kind of dumping it uh, on onto uh, into certain African markets, and what that does is it uh, creates an artificially low price for the U.S. grains and cereal crops, making it non-competitive for local farmers in jurisdictions like Zimbabwe or uh, Uganda to to grow and uh, create a commercial enterprise uh, out of their um, yields. Uh, is that is that true, or am I misinformed about that? No, not that you're, not, you're misinformed. I think when you look at agriculture in general, there are so many aspects that go into producing a ton of maize. And I'm just going to give you an example of here in Zimbabwe. And you can take this example across Africa. Uh, number one, you've got to have the land. The land has to be fertile enough. Right? If it's not fertile enough, you have to optimize by you know, fortifying the land with the uh, fertilizers and so forth. Okay? Um, number uh, Another issue is that uh, uh, you need the seed, you need chemicals, you need fuels, you need labor, you need water, right? Uh, and in Africa, most of our production is rain-fed, okay? Which means um, the rain can come in unequal distributions that are not optimal for that particular seed, right? So your seed varieties have to be optim- optimized for that particular piece of land because of the variations in water uh, or in, in mm. the rain. That's if you don't have irrigation, okay? Uh, and irrigation is a whole different step because now you're talking about how do we dam that water? How do we fortify ourselves against climate change issues by damming the water? But now once you're damming the water, you're looking at 30-year uh, invest, uh, infrastructure investment because that's really uh, how long you're going to amortize the cost of a dam over. And these dams can run into the billions of dollars, the billions of dollars, all right? Then you're looking at water conveyance. Right. How do you actually get the water from the dam to the farmers? You're looking at canals, you're looking at pipes, you're looking at PVC pipes. So that's an oil industry issue because you're making the plastic for that from the oil industry. You're looking at the management of water rights. Right? Somebody has to finance that. And African governments can't solely finance that by themselves. So you now you need the private sector. But the private sector needs to be certain that that piece of land is fungible and collateralizable for the next 30 or 40, 100 years because you have to amortize your investment over that long. So you can see the complexity. 
then we're getting into the capital market structure of Africa. Do we have enough depth in capital markets? Do we have the legal framework to do that? So all that adds to the cost of producing a ton of wheat. The U.S. and all these other countries have a robust policy framework that governs that aspect of things. In Africa, we simply don't have that. Okay. Mm. Now we haven't even gone into the road and rail system to bring about the fertilizers and the chemicals in order to uh, uh, fortify the land. All the chemicals and fertilizers coming from China, coming from Morocco, coming from the Balkans. Uh, so it becomes more complex. For us to get into the fertilizer industry, you need power. You need act- it's, it's mining. It's, it's huge capex investment. <laughs> yeah, mm. you know. So 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 uh, sometimes it's then just easier to get a ton of wheat at $450 a ton land in Zimbabwe today from the Gulf of Mexico than it is to invest in all this infrastructure in order to begin producing uh, from the local environment. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, it's, I think, so that equation will probably take an entire thesis for us to yeah, yeah, <laughs> really try and solve. Uh, that's, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I mean, uh, given the complexities yeah. that you've described, uh, it sounds pretty challenging and we know just operating has its challenges. What keeps you going and why are you, um, why are you doing this? Why is it still important? Uh, you know, if, if not us, then who? Looking at the numbers that we're talking about, does the rest of the world genuinely have an incentive for us to increase our food production and feed ourselves when we are going to be spending $110 billion by 2030? This money is going to be going to some farmer somewhere who is in a political constituency that is key. You know, you know, this could be the farmers in the Balkans. Can you imagine that you're in the Balkans at the moment and you're saying you are producing a ton of wheat that you know is going to get to uh, Burundi, it's going to get to Zimbabwe, right? They've probably never even been here. But that farmer is capacitated on the backdrop of what we are not doing locally. Okay. So we have to, the planning has to begin somewhere. The actions have to begin somewhere. On our side here in Zimbabwe, we were once the breadbasket of Africa. That tag was taken away uh, due to a slew of issues, including our internal land reform in 2000 and so forth, because it was an unsustainable structure of agriculture for Zimbabwe, uh, given our history. You know, all issues are very localized. Um, but fast forward to the last few years, you see us produce um, uh, over 300,000 tons of wheat, more than we actually require locally. Right. Mm. And a large part of that has been financed by agri-yield. Right? If agri-yield were a country, just my division alone, we would be in the top 10 in Africa in wheat production. Right? Wow. Just my division. So I'm not even talking about maize production, soya production, and the slew of other crops that we finance. And so the question becomes, well, why do we do that? Because we have to localize food systems. Um, during COVID, um, you could not get fertilizer into the country or maize into the country. Why? Because the ports were closed because of COVID. All right. There were not enough ships around. Okay. The cost of sea freight increased, you know, exponentially. Right. And now, uh, uh, as we speak, we have 150 million people that are exposed to starvation in Africa simply because of the war in Ukraine and a slew of other issues. Right. So that is why we are here. We've got the land. It exists. It is there. Um, the capital exists somewhere, 
whether it be with the African diaspora, with institutional, global institutional money managers, uh, whether it be in Africa itself, but matching that capital to the opportunity on the ground and extracting that value is going to take people that are smarter than myself. So it is my job to bring those people together to allow for that. And we are already seeing with the results on the ground that this is very possible. Got it. And Simba, yeah. how are you, how is AgroYield uh, achieving the success that you're achieving? How are you going about it? What's your strategy been uh, to get the results? Um, sure. Um, AgroYield is involved in, as I said, in the financing of the entire value chain. So you can't look at agriculture uh, and say, I'm only going to finance a farmer or, or an irrigation provider. You have to look at the entire value chain. Right, because as I mentioned, for that ton of wheat to come out, there is an, an entire chain of things that have to work for that mm. to happen. Um, and so, uh, even when you look at a particular farmer, right, you can't say, "Well, I'm financing a small-scale farmer and I'm leaving out the large-scale farmer," because all of them are part of this equation. Right? Mm. Over the last twenty years, billions of dollars have come in and gone into. Um, uh, scaling up uh, smallholder farmers in Africa in terms of improving their yields and a whole host of other issues. But I'm just going to give you uh, a scenario of how, how we do it. So we, for example, will finance, uh, let's start with the farmer, we'll finance their inputs right, uh, through input financing schemes. And we've got techno bespoke technology that is specific to Zimbabwe and its unique attributes uh, that allows a farmer to uh, go online, submit the application, go through the land verification process. We then go through our due diligence process, uh, coupled with our extension officers who overlay that due diligence. And then we, we approve a farmer for a, a package, whether it be for five hectares or a thousand hectares or five thousand hectares, depending on the application and the DD that we've done. We then, uh, allow that farmer to redeem those inputs uh, via their mobile phone. So they will go to their local area supplier. Uh, so they don't need to travel uh, 300 kilometers because that is part of the problem in Africa, getting inputs as close to the farmer as possible so that there are no other logistics costs that they have to incur in order to get that seed, the basil, uh, the compound D, uh, the chemicals, the fuel, uh, the tillage services in order to begin production. And, uh, and we've got a satellite monitoring system that wow. then says, well, uh, you've redeemed uh, 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 10 hectares worth of seed, right? But we only see land prep for five hectares. So uh, as you begin to redeem your, your fuel or your bass or your fertilizer or your top or whatever it is, it limits it to what you've done on the ground. Okay. So we are already mitigating our risk from the onset. We will then only distribute, give you the fuel based on the tillage that we see on the ground. We then monitor using NDVI and a slew of other satellite technology aspects, you know, what your implied hectare is, right? And we then have extension services who then can advise you on what to do, wow. all right? And we've seen this work for us. Now, you can produce a ton of wheat or maize or corn, but if you don't have a market for it, you know, it's as good as useless because those long, a lot of these farmers don't have... Uh, the silo on you know silos or the storage capacity on their farms to then store you know forty thousand tons of wheat or maize right so we then connect you to the closest off taker 
all right? And that is very complex because in Africa, you normally know, have these national grain uh, 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 buying uh, firms or uh, parastatals, and they usually have a preset pre-planting price, which then guarantees your floor price for your particular product, okay? So if you fail to sell your product to, uh, to other off-takers, you can always send it and you know, take it there, all right? And that's an important aspect. It's like a put option. Right, it ensures that at least uh, I can take uh, uh, my 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 grain somewhere. There's always that floor price. Okay. Yeah. So we organize all that infrastructure for you as a farmer, so that you focus on farming. Now I could go into the fertilizer companies. The fertilizer companies are importing, so they need letters of credit. So we need to sort that out. Right. I can go to the irrigation companies who are doing your pivots, who are doing your drip irrigation, or other aspects of irrigation. Your irrigation pumps. Your, uh, your main lines, your PVC lines, uh, your transformers, because you need power. In some aspects, you need solar overlaying with your uh, power from the grid because the grid is mm. not that reliable. All yep. those aspects need to be financed. The logistics companies are massive. That's massive. Ensuring the availability of fuel in mass for the planting time because when you're planting, that's when the country actually needs to absorb a lot of fuel uh, in terms of diesel and, and petrol for uh, uh, for land prep. So that has to be there. Uh, so I could probably go into all the other aspects of, 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 of the ag value chain, but we finance all those aspects in order to ensure that that ton of maize is there uh, and that farmer is paid and is able to redeploy the capital into the following season. Because in Zimbabwe, we have two seasons. So in one year, a farmer is able to do maize and then do wheat or do soya and then do wheat. That's uh, that's a very important part of the equation. Gotcha. So then I'm going to let Michelle ask the next question, but just a quick one. Um, so you are involved at every single part of the value chain, uh, pretty much. Your your company is not just it's not just financing farmers. Um, it is mm-hmm. actually making sure that the farmers have access to the ecosystem that will enable their success and enable them to pay back the loans uh, or the capital that your organization is is providing is is that is that a correct assessment the, the, that is a correct assessment you know um we've had phenomenal improvements in the last 18 to 22 months 24 months uh, in terms of uh, the uh, improvement of uh, our recovery rates um uh, so to the extent that it's now, you know, we, 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 are, we pretty much now have a revolving fund where we're able to redeploy a lot of that capital into the subsequent seasons. But that all comes down to loan structuring. Uh, loan origination is key, a key aspect of this. And then monitoring of that loan through its life cycle. Um, as, uh, as you can allude to, you know, Africa has got unique flora and fauna regions. Just as Zimbabwe alone has got five flora and fauna regions. So the loan structure of somebody sitting in Mutare, in the east of the country, is very different to the loan structure that you need to have for someone sitting in the southern country. So, you know, sitting in the southern country, uh, the duration, the type of seed, the type of chemicals, the genetics of that seed—all these aspects are different. So, having bespoke solutions, uh, you know, for these regions has allowed us to optimize our loan performance to where this is a profitable enterprise. Wow. Okay. Oh, super impressive. And uh, really exciting. So, Samba, you've painted a really exciting, like, I guess, vision and why you're doing this. Um, tell us a little bit around what does success look like? So, 
when you've seen uh, CBZ really succeed and having the impact, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's, it's multifaceted. You know, uh, the key aspect is, number one, are we increasing the yields and are we increasing food production? You know, uh, is our import bill uh, coming down as a nation? Uh, and that is happening for the row crops, right? So there is success there and that is critical success. You know, are we able to ensure that there is food in all areas of the country uh, and is the Zimbabwean population able to feed itself? I think that's very, very important. And it's incremental growth over a long period of time. Uh, that's very important. You know, e equally as important is, well, are we able to finance this sustainably from local resources? All right. So um, anyone can throw money at a problem. But if you're not able to repeat that success in subsequent years and finance it sustainably, then there's a problem. There's always going to be a gap. All right. And it leads to some macroeconomic issues. So we are trying to optimize that program, uh, that 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 issue to say, well, let's finance this, uh, you know, sustainably. Let's ensure that farmers are repaying back their loans. Um, let's ensure that production is occurring uh, optimally, um, and we are going towards food self-sufficiency. And not only food self-sufficiency, we should be exporting to the rest of Africa. We do not need to be uh, getting our wheat, you know, from Australia. Uh, from the Balkans, uh, from North America, uh, and uh, from South America. Uh, all this wheat can be produced on the continent with enough planning and enough resources uh, thrown to the problem. Yeah. Gotcha. So that, that's, what, that's what success looks like to me. Uh, and, 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 and everyone has got to be part of this equation. It's not just the large-scale farmer uh, or the small-scale farmer. Everyone across the board. You know, it's easy to throw money at someone who's got some marginal success. And I'll give you an example. If you're a corn farmer and you're producing five tons of wheat, uh, five tons of uh, corn per, per hectare, you know, that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's not bad because the average yields are less than a hectare, uh, or less than one ton in Africa, right? So I would draw, you know, I could easily throw resources at that commercial farmer and get that commercial farmer from five tons a hectare to 10 tons a hectare. That's doubling uh, his or her production. Right. But we're saying let's look at, uh, uh, at, 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 at the small-scale farmer who's also only averaging one ton uh, per, 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 per hectare. Right. Let's also increase that to two tons per hectare. Just those interventions alone are also extremely important. So that's, that to us is extremely important, just as important as all the other things that we're doing. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And Simba, what, what are some of the biggest barriers that you can foresee that might disallow you from uh, ultimately realizing uh, your vision of success? Yeah, there are plenty. You know, agriculture is capital intensive. You know, it is capital intensive. Um, yeah. It is, it, you know, we've got farmers that are, are uh, you know, that are running a 10 million US dollar balance sheet on a farm. We've also got farmers that are running a, a $10,000 balance sheet on their farm annually. So you can see, and you know, we've got 37,000 farmers on our books. That's a lot of farmers. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of farmers to manage. So technology played a phenomenal, I mean, we've digitized the entire platform. It's quite yeah. phenomenal, actually, all the way through from loan origination or all the way through to, to the offtake and selling of the particular product. So, so uh, they're the, the massive, you know, access to, um, right quantums and right tenured capital 
is, is, is key. Uh, as I said, if we are going to optimize for irrigation, irrigation is very, very important because of climate change issues. So we're trying to fortify ourselves against climate change. But mm-hmm. if you're going to build a dam and you need $10 million or $20 million, you need to amortize that over 30 years. You know, where are you going to get 30-year money at a sustainable cost of capital in order to do that? All right. Mm-hmm. That's from institutional funds, all right? your pension funds, both local and international. Right. But what is sort of the capital market infrastructure around that to uh, optimize or to allow that capital to be deployed into agriculture? Do we have vehicles and instruments that can give the investors confidence and the asset manager confidence? You know, mm. that's a whole different equation that we have. So th- those that matching, I think, is, 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 is most critical. How do we match from the sources of capital? Uh, you know, and we know there's a need uh, and these sources of capital are global and they need yield. They need alpha, um, mm. but are the conditions conducive enough on a macro and micro scale for us to be able to deploy it? All right, mm. uh, and, and that goes into policy uh, issues um, that are vast in nature. So I feel that th- that's where the real issues are. The skill sets are there. The access to knowledge is there. Um, you know, all these infra- these infrastructure needs need need, need a, 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 an optimal uh, a source of capital for us to. To be able to, to 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 make it work, and so that's you know part of my job is to to speak to policymakers um, so that we can have an understanding of what it truly takes to get us to that next level uh, in Got terms it. of food production. Yeah, there's so much focus and there's so much development capital available for smallholder farmers, um, but in order to actually lower that net import bill, there needs to be some more focus on your medium-sized or larger scale. Farming oh, enterprises, and and I feel like that probably that probably deserves like a whole you know episode to to discuss that. Oh, um, oh, oh, abso- oh absolutely, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, absolutely. But you did no, you no did a good you did a good job today of of kind of keeping it very high level, and then we can hopefully kind of dig yeah. into more details in subsequent um, discussions. Simba, I think that's all all from our side today. Thank you for being our first guest on Boma Chats. <laughs> <laughs>